0: We have talked a lot in Romans about faith and belief and how the only way to be okay with God is through faith and belief. And I recognize that belief can be a nebulous idea, kind of a foggy concept. In fact, I've had a couple of folks after services say, that was very helpful. I just really need a little bit more clarity on what it means to believe. So I think our passage today is going to help us with that. We've been hammering the same nail every passage. This passage in particular, I think, is going to bring some clarity. Before we read it, I just want to mention, I'm going to use the words belief and faith pretty much interchangeably. Um, They are nuanced words, but our goal here today isn't to clarify those two words. So I'm going to be using them both the same way. What we're getting at is... The faith or the belief in God that saves us and carries us through each day living the way God wants us to. So that's what we'll be about today. And our passage today is Romans chapter 4 beginning at verse 13. And if you would stand as an expression of honor for God's word. The words will not be on the PowerPoint today. So if you have your Bibles you can follow along there or you can just listen to me. Romans chapter 4 beginning at verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherence of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may, be, may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And here we get into more of the meat for us today. Verse 18. In hope, he, meaning Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. And as he gave glory to God... Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who was raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That is a massive passage of scripture. Thank you for standing as we, as we read it together. You may be seated. Let's pray and just ask for God's help in understanding this. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the massive, glorious truths that are in these verses. Help us now to see you and hear your voice and to understand and accept what is here in front of us in your word. Help me to speak clearly about it so that we could leave here clear-minded about what it means to believe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to focus on two verses in this massive portion of Scripture. You can go more in-depth in your house-to-house groups or on your own this week. It would be impossible to preach a sermon on all these verses. So we're going to zero in on verses 20 and 21, and those are up on the PowerPoint. I want to make belief as clear as I can. And it's something that I'm still foggy about to a, to a degree. So it's a challenging task. Belief is a big idea. And from this passage, I think we can get three points that might help us understand it. So today we're going to talk about belief's substance, belief's process, and belief's enemy. The substance, process, and enemy of belief. Everybody with me? Everybody likes an outline, right? I do. So our two verses that we're going to focus on, verses 20 and 21. No distrust made him, being Abraham, waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. How many of you have to drive over a bridge or an overpass to get to church? Okay, several of you. Okay, how many of you have driven over a bridge or an overpass? I think all of us. Okay. I always liked when we went to Ocean Isle as a kid for summer vacation, going over that big bridge. I loved that. I I like that bridge that that shoots you from, what is it, 45? When you go to Carowinds, it shoots you up and around, and there's overpasses going everywhere. I love that. I always have. Now, how many of you have ever in your life pulled up to a bridge, pulled over, stopped your car, got out, and walked underneath the bridge to perform a visual inspection before you drove over it. I doubt any of you have, unless it just looked particularly shaky. We just trust these bridges are going to hold our one-ton-plus vehicles as we drive over, not to mention the other vehicles that are on the bridge. What makes us so confident in these structures? Because it's that same kind of confidence That is the substance of belief. When God talks about belief, he's talking about that kind of confidence that enables you to move forward. And like in the example of the bridge, to drive on over the bridge, that enables you to move forward in your faith, not in your faith, in your life, following God, obeying God. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 gives probably the clearest definition of faith. If you want to flip over there, you can read it with me. Hebrews chapter 11, the first two verses, the writer says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Faith is assurance and conviction of things that you hope for and don't see. Just like you approach a bridge, you feel sure and convicted that you'll be able to drive your car over the bridge without it collapsing. Based on previous experience, based on you see cars ahead of you doing it, you don't have to see all the blueprints of how that bridge was designed. You're sure and you're convinced. So you drive over it. This belief idea that we're talking about as Christians is that same idea. It's assurance, conviction of things hoped for. And I know when, when we think of hoping for things, we think of like a kid hoping that he's going to get his present that he wants on, Sunday, on uh, Christmas morning. He doesn't know if he'll get it. He hopes he might. That's not what they're talking about here. They're talking about certainty here. More like someone who's waiting for a bus to come pick them up that they catch every day. They don't see the bus, but they know the bus is going to come. It's always come. They're hoping for it to come in the sense that they know it's going to come. That's the belief the Bible is talking about. It's sureness. So then in Hebrews 11, it goes on and it gives example after example of how this belief, how this faith worked itself out in people's lives. I won't read all of that. You should read it sometime. But it just goes through and there's people who were able to please God because they believed. People who were able to do big things like make an ark, build a giant boat before a boat had ever been invented, before rain had ever been seen. People who were enabled to do small things. Of obedience. It talks about Moses who was able to turn his back on the luxury of Egypt to obey God because of faith. It talks about people who were able to live abundant lives, lives because of faith. And it talks about people who died horrific deaths and they were unable to do it because of faith. So faith is a, a confidence in God that enables you to move ahead. Are you with me so far? So in the Old Testament, I told you we were going to tackle the question, how were people in the Old Testament saved when Jesus had not been born? If Jesus is the only name under heaven by which we can be saved, how, were they, how was Abraham saved by faith before he even knew the name of Jesus? Well, I think this helps us get at it a little bit. If you remember last week toward the end, I mentioned that saving faith and daily faith are really the same idea. See, back then, they... Abraham had confidence in God. In everything he knew about God, he believed, and he had confidence. And so he moved toward these promises. In the New Testament time and today, faith is having confidence in God and what we know that he has said, and we move toward those promises in faith. It's the same activity. It's just that we know that it's a man named Jesus. They knew that it was just it was a promise of God. So back then it would have been like them navigating by stars and moving toward the north and us navigating by GPS and moving toward the north. We're moving the same direction even though they didn't know the specifics. Who has GPS in here? I need to get GPS. We were in Charleston, and we and another couple were driving to the same place. We left like 30 minutes before the other couple, and all I had was my memory and a paper map. And they had GPS. We had been to this place before. And they beat us by like 15 minutes. We are given a great, great advantage. We know Jesus. We know the specifics of God's plans. All Abraham had was these vague promises. God told him, leave everything you know, your land. Go, I'll give you a promised land. I'm going to give you a lot of children. Even though you're really old and your wife is barren. And through one of those kids, I'm going to bless the nations. That's all he had to go on. But he believed he was confident. So the substance of faith, of belief, is confidence in God. The process, this is what I think will be maybe most helpful for us this morning. Let's read our verses again. By the way, it was verse 21 that I got all that confidence stuff from. I almost forgot to mention. At the end where it says, Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised Okay, before you move to the next slide, Julia, let me read the passage. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. First off, just be refreshed to know that there is a process to faith and belief, that we are part of a process, that we're growing in it, and we're growing strong as we give glory to God. What are you strong at in your life? What's something that you're strong in? You don't have to answer, but think to yourself, what's, what is something that you're the strongest in in your life? Maybe for people like Lee, it's music. What are you strong in, in life? And it's a sport. Maybe you're strong because you have a good sense of humor. You're strong in making people laugh. You're strong in your job and business. Whatever it is, how did you get strong in it? Were you just born that way? Or did you get strong over a long period of time, a lot of work, and a lot of time doing that? I used to be a tennis player, and I used to be pretty decent at it. I wasn't just automatically good at it. It's Father's Day, so I'll tell a dad's story. My dad wouldn't even take me out to play with him because I was so bad, because it would just be us chasing balls down. So I had to go and get good by playing with other people. And I grew strong in it over time as I practiced. You grow strong in faith over time as you give glory to God. Okay, now you can go to the next one. The rope bridge. There you go. Okay, now here's my big illustration for the sermon, okay? If I've lost you f- through the, the first part, which I see from your faces that maybe I have, come back to me now, Okay? All right, belief is like a rope bridge. You can put that on a t-shirt if you want to. I'll give you the rights to it. Have you ever walked across a rope bridge? Up in the mountains, you know, they sway and they shake and they're kind of terrifying, especially if you don't like heights. The kind of belief the Bible is talking about is sort of like a rope bridge. To walk across a rope bridge, you have to believe in the bridge as a whole and you have to believe in each plank that you're going to put your weight on you have to decide you have to look at this thing and think okay that bridge will hold me and then all the way across each individual step is a new step of faith a new step of belief all based on your original big step of faith that you believe in the bridge okay i hope you're following with me i think this this analogy works i think this is why it's so hard for us to figure out saving faith versus daily faith But they're both part of the same structure. At one point, everyone who became a Christian decided, okay, I believe in this big picture of God and Jesus and my need for him. And that got us onto the bridge. And then thereafter, every day, every decision, every anxiety is another step that you have to decide if you're going to trust these individual promises, these individual truths, that are associated with Christianity. You following? Does that make sense to you? makes sense to me. I'm the one with the face mic. So I'm going to keep on talking about it. So how how would you ever grow confident enough to cross this bridge? People do cross this bridge, by the way. I can't remember where it's located, but this bridge, for some little people group, is the only route that they can go to trade, to take their goods and go trade at the market or wherever. So people do cross this. What would it take for you to be confident enough to walk across that? (laughs) No one is willing to even entertain that you would ever be confident enough. Well, I think for me, you know, seeing people do it successfully would help. But a lot of it for me would be testing those boards, putting my weight on it, making sure it holds. You don't just jump straight on testing it. I want you to look. You can go ahead to the next slide. Back at our two verses, he grew strong in his faith as he, what, gave glory to God. Glory is another vague word. I know it conjures up in your mind singing praise songs, probably. But the roots of that word actually mean weight. It really means acknowledging the the true heft and weightiness of God. And it carries with it the idea that you can put weight on him and what he says and find that he holds true. That he's solid. So Abraham grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. As he gave weight to God. As he just put himself out there onto the promises of God. He grew stronger. So just like the one time I've ever been on a rope bridge was somewhere in the mountains of around here, North Carolina. I don't remember where it was. It was on a youth trip. I did okay on it. I wasn't that scared, but I look back and a lot of the girls in our youth group we just clinging to the sides. I think one of them was crying, actually, now that I remember it. Somewhere near the middle, just huddled down crying. But the more she would move forward, the more confidence she would gain. And so far, she hasn't buckled through and fallen to her death. So she can keep moving. That's the way this fate things works itself out in our lives. And the trick here is that you have to do it. Joel Osteen can't do it for you, can't believe for you. Uh, Who's the other guy everybody listens to? Hagee? He can't do it for you. He can't believe for you. I can't do it for you or believe for you. So sitting in your pew or in front of your TV and watching guys walk across the bridge doesn't equate you crossing it. You have to take the step yourself. You have to make a clear decision yourself. Do I believe that this whole worldview, this whole Jesus thing is true? And then if so, you have to start moving forward based on how he tells us to live and the promises he tells us to trust. And you have to do it. There's a guy named uh, Mueller. I've used him as an example before. He lived a long time ago. One of these great men of faith. All these stories, he ran an orphanage about how he didn't have food for the kids the next day and he just prayed and then he opened the door and a a baker's truck broke down in front of his orphanage and he had all this bread that was going to go bad and he needed to eat it quick. True story. I, I can read those things and feel pumped up, almost as though I'm believing like that just because I'm observing him believe like that. So my question for you today is where are you in terms of this rope bridge analogy, in terms of your belief? A, have you made a clear decision about Jesus? I want to demystify this thing as much as possible. Have you clearly decided, yay or nay, he is the rightful Lord of your life or he is not? Do you trust the bridge or not? If yes, if you've already made that clear decision, then you've got to get in here and start to see all of his promises, all the wealth of truth in here and start to put your weight down on it and start to move forward and grow strong in your confidence in him. Now, I'll give you you the good example of how this works itself out for me. I'll save the example of how I fail on this uh, daily for myself. But the good example is you know, I preach every Sunday. So I, I work hard to prepare a message, and I'm prayerful about it, and I do what I'm doing right now. I deliver it. Sometimes it goes pretty well. Sometimes it doesn't go so great. It's hard for me to console myself on the days that don't go very well. But I can. I can keep moving forward and not dwell on how badly that went. Meredith knows how many Sundays I said, well, I thought I was clear. Whoa. I thought I was clear in my mind about that. And then once I started talking, it was just nonsense. The only reason I can keep moving forward is because there's a promise in the Old Testament where God said, my word will never go forth without accomplishing its purposes. So I can just bomb up here, make no sense whatsoever, and look like a fool. Maybe that's what I'm doing right now. But it's okay because I can keep moving forward and know, well, we read some Bible And God said that it will never go out there without accomplishing his purposes. So I can just forget that and move forward. The example, well, here I am. I'm bringing up the bad example after all, but anxiety. That is an area where I struggle to stand firmly in belief on God's promises. Never used to be a problem for me because I never had any responsibilities of any sort. But now I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, a lot of responsibility. A lot of anxiety comes with that. I'm amazed at how hard it continues to be for me to remember the clearest one in Philippians where God says, Be anxious for nothing. How's it go? I couldn't remember it yesterday. Be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make all your requests known to me. And then the, my peace, which you don't understand, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. What a clear promise. What a clear, firm plank to just step on and say, I'm not even going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious for anything. I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust God with it. And I find that I just can't do it often. But I hope and I pray that I'm growing stronger in my faith. As I, I do it more and more in little ways, and I see that God holds, that he's firm, and I give him weight and I give him glory. I'm praying that a year from now, I won't be as anxious as I am today. And a year later, I'll be even less so. And there's a billion different other ways. If you were paying attention to the uh, scrolling announcements at the beginning, I had a lot of promises of God up there. Those are all just from the next two chapters of Romans. This book is full of real practical truth and promises that can help us walk through confidently moving ahead every day. If we'll believe... And we grow strong in that confidence and belief as we give weight and glory to God. And it was the same in the Old Testament. They walked confidently ahead on what they knew, even though they didn't have all the specifics. It's the same for us today. We have to walk confidently ahead on what we know. Okay, the last one belief's enemy. This comes from the first part of verse 20. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. No distrust. Made him waver. The enemy of this kind of belief is distrust. And it will make you waver. It was the same in the Old Testament as the same today. The enemy for Abraham was distrust. The enemy for me and you today is distrust. That word waver, as you might think from the word itself, it has the idea of back and forth. And when it's applied like this, it's, it's sort of the idea of overthinking things to the point that you're, you're unstable, double-minded basically, unstable in all your ways, wishy-washy, uncertain. If we're still on the rope bridge, it's the person who's clinging to the side, doesn't know whether to go forward or backward, doesn't know what to think. That's what distrust does to us. And that's what distrust is doing to you and me right now. I know where I waver. Where do you waver? Where are you wavering in your life? And what distrust is behind that? Because God doesn't want us to waver. He wants us moving ahead confidently, trusting him. And I'm almost done here, actually, early. Happy Father's Day. Let's just be honest There's not many people here. We can be honest with each other, right? There are plenty of really, seriously, really good reasons to doubt God's promises. Aren't there? There are really, seriously good reasons to doubt God's promises. Look at Abraham. It says, in hope, he believed against hope that he'd be the father of many nations because he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, some of you guys are old. Would you describe yourself as, as good as dead? <laughs> he was about a hundred years old. That might be older than Lawrence. And God was sitting there promising him a child, many children. And Shirley turned around and said, no, Sarah was old, too, and barren, had been barren for years. Those are two pretty good reasons to distrust a promise that you're going to have a bunch of babies. I hope you guys do have some more babies. And I'll... <laughs> what promise is it that you know you should be believing, but you also know at the same time there are very good and very clear reasons to distrust that promise? Probably something to do with Provision. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, or how you're going to even live. God takes care of wild animals and flowers. He'll take care of you. That's a clear promise. But then you look at your bills and your income, and you see very clear, real, good reasons to distrust. Why are you guys laughing so hard? This must have something to do with the headquarters, huh?" There are very good and clear reasons to distrust God's promises. Let's be honest about that. But there are no good, clear, logical, biological, any kind of reasons to distrust the God behind the promises. There are very good reasons to distrust God's promises, but there's no reason to distrust the God behind them. So if you look, go back to that rope bridge. Okay, just using this as an example. I can see some pretty good reason not to trust some of these planks. They do not look like they're going to hold me. But let's say I'm standing here on the, the what's, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm standing here on the, I heard like eight different words, on one side of the bridge, and then God walks up beside me and puts his arm around me and says, I know you're worried about this. I built the bridge, I know every plank. You're going to be fine. Just go. It doesn't change the way those things look. But hopefully I'll have the confidence then to go. So what promise is it that you know God's saying, I know it looks shaky, but I built that promise. If I were in your shoes, I wouldn't trust the look of it either, but I built it. I know you. I know everything you need. You can trust me and you can move confidently ahead. So what is it what what does moving ahead look like for you right now? If if you could if you could be strong in your confidence like Abraham and you could move forward on the promises of God that you know, what would that look like for you right now? Because here here's my concern and I'll basically close with this. Well, first a clarification and then a concern. I want to clarify that you are saved by belief in Jesus, not by believing specifically his promise to provide for you or uh, for me that I don't have to be anxious about anything. But they're all part of the same structure. You really can't have one without the other. This is what I meant last week when I mentioned that saving faith and daily faith are really the same. That's like trying to separate that bridge from its individual planks. It's all part of the same structure of trusting in God. And that's what it says here in the passage. It says, uh, it talks about Abraham's faith. And then at the end it says, it's counted to all of us who believe in him who raised uh, from the dead, Jesus our Lord, and who delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. But the belief is in God, that, that he's trustworthy behind all of this. So yes, it's faith in Jesus that saves you. But in reality, part of that whole structure of faith in Jesus is the, all the rest of the package. So I don't think you can say, I believe in Jesus to save me, but then say, I don't believe he's gonna, God's going to provide for me. I don't believe I can trust him with my anxieties. I don't believe this and that. I don't think that's possible. So, now that was my clarification. Now my concern as I close. I'm concerned for many of the folks in our church and in all the churches around the Bible Bell area. I'm concerned that many of us are sitting in pews that are facing the bridge and we're looking at it often, once a week, and we love the bridge, and we sing songs about the bridge, and we wear t-shirts with the bridge on it, and we tell other people about the bridge, and we bring them to come look at the bridge with us, and yet we never walk across it. It's just rain. I'm concerned that many in our church, in our churches around this area, come and we sit in our pews and we look at Jesus and we love Jesus and and we think he's great and we put the Jesus fish on our car and we wear a t-shirt with a cross on it and we even tell other people to come and look at Jesus with us and we sing songs about Jesus and yet many of us never actually put our weight on trusting him. And start moving forward on this Christian life that is scary and hard, but that you always find is real and strong and holds you. And I don't know who's who. So I'm praying that God will reveal to you who you are. And I'm inviting myself and you to get to know this God that we can trust. And get to know the promises and the truths that are in here. And grow stronger in putting our weight On them and start to move forward confidently like Abraham. That's my prayer for each of you, man, for myself. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you that your promises and your truths hold firm. And thank you for your patience for us who are just clinging to the side of this life and afraid. so, So many of us in this room are just so afraid. And I count myself as among that number. And I know it's ridiculous. I know that you are trustworthy. But sometimes these planks just don't look like they're going to hold us. Help us to see beyond the problems. Help us to see the problems in light of the promises. Help us to be valiant men and women of faith like Abraham. Lord, anyone who has not clearly believed in Jesus. Make that plain to them and bring about that belief in them. Save their souls. And for all of us on different points on this bridge, help us to give you glory and to grow stronger and move ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.